Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, one of my favorite segments brought to you by Burley Veterinary Hospital with Dr. Scott Morley and his very friendly, knowledgeable team at Burley Veterinary Hospital, taking care of all your large and small animal needs at 2869 Overland and Burley, and the number to call, 678-5509. Here's, what's your name again? (laughs) Dr. History. (laughs) Good morning, Zeb. Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm good. It's cold outside, but it's warm in here. You know, I, I got to keep it warm in here. I, I just can't take the cold weather anymore. I agree. When we get, how should we say it, more mature, well, we no, don't old, handle Old. I'm old. Okay, we're okay. old. I'll have to agree. You got any thank yous? I do. Uh, I want to thank Dennis down in Texas. He sent me a whole bunch of information about the Chisholm Trail. You mentioned this guy once before. I did, and yeah. he sent me a bunch more information about the Indians and uh, slavery and uh, things that took place down there. And so I, I'm going to study that a little more and maybe come up with a, a story for it. Really? And then Jeff, who's been a long-time listener, I was looking back in some of my old emails, and I found uh, where Jeff sent me some really good information that I'm going to use on the show this is what i love people getting involved yeah and then james sent me uh, he had about 30 25 or 30 old magazines uh not true west uh frontier times really uh, these old magazines which i feel have a lot better stories in them than sometimes some of the newer ones yeah so anyway thank you james and jeff and dennis i appreciate the the help and the information. You know, one thing that always bothered me, and it happened to me, is uh, people go up in their attics and just pitch and throw and get rid of all that oh. old stuff. Yeah. I had every major league baseball card still oh. in the wrapper, like uh, Mickey Mantle oh, yeah. and uh, Stan Musial and all those. My mother threw them away. Oh, oh, oh. She threw my retirement <laughs> away. Well, there you have it. <laughs> What's going on today? So, today, uh, I've got this book. Let me show you the front of it. It's called Tall Tales and Half-Truths of Billy the Kid. <laughs> this ought to be good. And it's written by John LeMay. Okay. Now, John is uh, somebody that we contacted, or he contacted me about, oh, five or six years ago. I remember that yeah. name. And uh, anyway, I got a hold of him, and I said, can I use some of the stuff out of your book for a show? And he was more than happy. And so, folks, uh, John LeMay... And he has two books, Tall Tales and Half-Truths of Billy the Kid, another one called Tall Tales and Half-Truths of uh, uh, Pat Garrett. You know, really, so, when you get down to brass tacks, and I know you've studied this, Pat, uh, Pat Garrett uh, supposedly shooting right, Billy the Kid. Right. Okay, how much is truth? Great question. Great question. In fact, I'm going to throw something out there, folks. There's a movie called Old Henry. It's a, it's a Western, it's a cowboy show, and that's all I'm going to say. But if you want to watch an interesting uh, story, uh, I, I'm just going to say, get the movie and watch Old Henry. Well, don't hedge on it, though, Ken, because honestly, my feeling is, of all the history I've studied, uh-huh. I honestly do not believe that Pat Garrett killed Billy the Kid, and I think that Billy lived to be... An old, old man. So watch the movie, Old Uh, Henry. Now, these are the 
half-truths or half-tales of Billy the Kid, okay? And again, this is taken from historians' viewpoints, and I think it's well done. So I'm going to start out with a quote. It said, Here in his nameless grave on the dreary windslept Pecos Flats under the sun and rain and drifting snows, the boy of the tiger heart rests at last in peace. <clears throat> so, I'm going to talk about Billy the Kid after he died. Okay, after he died. After he died. Well, this ought to be good. Okay. So, contrary to this above quotation, Billy the Kid was most certainly uh, uh, does not rest in peace. Okay, stories of attempts to mutilate and or dig up the kid began circulating immediately after he was buried, or somebody was. And due to several historical events, it's entirely possible the kid's body was even moved to Santa Fe in 1906. Not to mention the kid's grave markers and the Ben 4 and all have either been shot, stolen, or destroyed, and sometimes a combination of all three, several times. As a result, the kid undoubtedly possesses the world's most notorious gravesite, and oddly, it would seem, his lifeless corpse has had nearly as many adventures as he did. I like how they phrase that beautiful yes. language, his lifeless corpse. <laughs> right. Has had more adventures than he did. All right. I, I like this, uh, and I appreciate John uh, writing this book. Anyway, uh, so it could be said that the kid's legend only truly began at his end. His obituaries ran in papers as far away as London. Uh, they were kind of fairy tale like. Uh, the uh, Santa Fe Weekly Democrat uh, paper said, reported, quote, after the kid hit the floor dead, that a strong odor of brimstone filled the room. Accompanying the brimstone was the very devil himself to take Billy's soul, at least according to the newspaper. You know, now this is where you can imagine where all these different stories came from. Right, right. And that's why the title of the book, <laughs> Tall Tales and Half-Truths. Holy cow. So, ironically, the pastor who performed Billy the Kid's funeral service was rumored to be a wanted man himself for committing some unknown crime <laughs> the in the South. Oh, my goodness. The man was a buffalo hunter named Hugh Leeper. And Leeper knew the Bible well, and some even claimed he had prophesied the kid's death. No kidding. Okay. So, Billy was buried in the old military cemetery next to two of his buddies, Charlie Beaudry and Tom O'Folliard. And all three were killed by Pat Garrett. Billy was buried in a casket made up of ceiling planks off an old dirt-roofed adobe building, uh, which had been abandoned, uh, or so the legend says. And the building or the builder was a guy named Jesus Silva. Now, Pat Garrett didn't kill them supposedly the same night as Billy did. No, he? no, they. I'm assuming they were were already dead. He shot them ahead of time. So <laughs> you make was, it sound so subtle. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it was you know just one of those things. So. Like that of any historic figure, his corpse was immediately in danger of souvenir hunters. Uh-huh. The first story regarding the mutilation of the kid's body appeared in the July 25th, 1881 edition of the newspaper called the Las Vegas Optic. And in their now infamous story, the Fatal Finger Story. The what? 
the fatal finger story. Careful here. You'll see what I'm talking okay. about. You'll right. you'll see. So in the newspaper, here's what the, the article said. Quote, an esteemed friend of the optic, the newspaper, at Fort Sumner, L.W. Hale has sent us the index finger of Billy the Kid, the one which he has snapped many a man's life into eternity. It is well preserved in alcohol and has been viewed by many in our office today. If the rush continues, we shall purchase a small tent and open a sideshow to which complimentary tickets will be issued to our personal friends. To see a finger. A finger. Oh, it gets better. Can't. <laughs> so, for many years, this story was thought to be a hoax. Uh, there was a professor, Amer J. Stahl, he wrote a lengthy piece on the trigger finger in a recent edition of True West magazine. Okay, you're familiar with True West. Oh, yeah. 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 So Stahl relates that people did, in fact, trek to the optic office, the newspaper office, to see a finger in a jar. Now, whether it was really Billy's or not is unknown, and reportedly they were allowed to see it so long as they paid $3 for a year-long subscription to the newspaper. This sounds like a real promotion. Uh, it was. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, pretty smart. So the mysterious donor, L.W. Hale, was a real New Mexico resident and a first-class peddler selling anything he could. A relative once said of him, he was a wheeler and a dealer, but always an honest and fair wheeler and uh-huh. dealer. Yeah. Now that, to me, sounds like a little bit of an oxymoron. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. Anyway, the family confirmed that Hale was indeed in the Fort Sumner area at the time of the shooting and was a friend of the newspaper optic editor, Russell Kissler. So how did They you were get, friends. How did you okay. get the finger? Well... You're going to go to that. Maybe. I, I don't know. <laughs> like I said, tall tales here. Anyway, so uh, Stahl uh, speculates that Hale could have bought the finger off one of Garrett's deputies who was there the night the kid was killed and cut it off, or even maybe Garrett himself maybe cut the finger off. Now, John W. Poe uh, wrote a book, The Death of Billy the Kid, and in that book he says, quote, The story w- that we had cut off and carried away his fingers was even more absurd as the thought of such an act never entered our minds. So here you got both sides of that story. Okay? so <laughs> I'm sitting here mulling this over. Okay. Well, you know, years ago, Zeb, uh, if if you killed somebody, in order to get the reward, you had to take their head back. To yeah, prove. that was pretty gruesome, too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. a finger would be a lot easier, yeah. but, you know, you could cut anybody's finger off, uh, dead or alive. No, I couldn't. No, I couldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so an even no, uh, more strange story appeared in the same newspaper, The Optic, on September 10th, and it entitled, The Kid Kidnapped. And here's what it says. Quote, the fifth day after the burial of the notorious young desperado, a fearless skeleologist, skeleologist, I have to, Go ahead, that's three times. You want to go for four? He, he studied skele, <laughs> skeletons of this country. Skeletonologist. Who, no, it's not even that. It's skeleologist. Leave it the way I said it. Okay. <laughs> Continuing on. His name, for substantial reasons, cannot be divulged. He proceeded to Sumner 
and in the silent night watches of the night, silent watches of the night, with the assistance of a compadre, dug up the remains of the once mighty youth and carried them off in their wagon. The stiff was brought into Las Vegas, arriving here at two o'clock in the morning, and was slipped quietly into the private office of a practical sawbones, who, by dint of diligent labor and careful watching to prevent detection, boiled and scraped the skin off the plate as to secure the skull, which was seen by a reporter last evening. Now, this is out of the newspapers, Ed. You said I was gruesome. I know. The body, or remains proper, was covered in dirt in the corral, where it will remain until decomposition shall have robbed the frame of its meat, when the body will be dug up again and the skeleton... Ladies and gentlemen, remember, after Dr. History, we're going to give you a lunch report. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the skeleton will be dug up and, quote, fixed up, hung together by wires and varnished with shellac to make oh, it presentable. you got to be kidding. Then the physicians will feel that their labors have been rewarded. For the skeleton of a crack frontiersman does not grow on every bush. And the bones of such men as the kid are hard to find. The skull is already, quote, dressed and is considered quite a relic in itself. The index index finger of the right hand, it will be remembered, was presented to the optic at the time the exhumation was made. As this member has been sent east, the skeleton now in process of consummation will not be complete with his fingers, but with the loss is so trivial that it will hardly be noticeable. How could these people be this gruesome? <laughs> and that's that's right out of the newspaper. That was actually a newspaper yeah, that story? that was the newspaper story right out of the, yeah. And you and I get criticized. Yeah, I mean, here we go. Yeah. Uh, I'm just telling it the way it maybe is, truths and half-truths. It's amazing that paper went out of business. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Okay, now, according to Fort Sumner resident Charles Four, these newspaper articles caught the attention of Pat Garrett, and a 1928 article in a newspaper called the Southwestern Dispatch related that Mr. Four said that he had inspected the grave in the company of Pat Garrett 18 months after the internment, and when the first claim of the moving of the bones was made by the Las Vegas people. At that time, both men agreed that the grave was untouched. So 18 months afterwards, Garrett and this Mr. Four said, no, the grave is still where it is. And Billy was supposedly shot, what, 1897? Uh, When was it? Yeah, I can't remember. So we're talking almost 30 years difference here. Well, no, it's just 18 months after yeah, he was buried. Didn't oh. you say something about 1920? Oh, a ni- yeah, a 1928 article yeah. in a newspaper yeah. talked about this. Yeah. And like say, they agreed that the he was still there. Now, one of Pat Garrett's biographers, a guy named Richard O'Connor, claimed that Garrett visited the grave several weeks after his indignation was aroused by reports that carnivals, dye museums, and other opportunistic enterprises were displaying what they claimed were parts of Billy's corpse. Did Billy have any family? Uh, you know, I know that he did. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not exactly sure. As far really as like brothers, like brothers and sisters yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, 
you it know, would I, be kind of interesting to trace a family lineage. There, yeah, to so. see what. Yeah, but you know, O'Connor uh, claims that while he was Garrett was there, he even dug up the body to make sure. But they're they're saying this is probably doubtful. Uh, and here's what Garrett says about the rumors. Here's what Pat Garrett said: "Quote, I said that the body was buried in the cemetery at Fort Sumner." I wish to add that it is there today, intact, skull, fingers, toes, bones, and every hair on the head, that it was buried with the body on the 15th of July. Doctors, newspapers, editors, and paragraphers, to the contrary, notwithstanding, some presuming swindlers have claimed to have the kid's skull on exhibition, or one of his fingers, or some other portion of his body, and one medical gentleman has persuaded credulous idiots that he has all the bones strung up on wires. Again, I say the kid's body lies undisturbed in the grave, and I speak of what I know. That was Pat Garrett. I don't even know what to say at this point. So, (laughs) anyway, these are the things that we're going around. Yeah, but it opens more questions about really the truth. It does. It does. And and that's why John wrote this, I think, to throw out that, you know, here's all the things we're going around at the time. And, you know, what do you really believe? So, but anyway, the saga of Billy's body, part, body parts continued, and uh, the newspaper, The Optic, received a letter from a woman. Her name was Kate Tenney of Oakland, California, alleging to be the kid's uh, ex-girlfriend, requesting that she be given the trigger finger. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. The editor then replied to the woman that it had already been sold for $150. Now, the editor went on to joke that perhaps the Sawbones, who had Billy's corpse from the September's 10th story, could send the poor girl a shank bone or something of that kind. You've got to be kidding me. Well, he was kidding. I know, I know, but just the gruesomeness <laughs> of the know, whole thing. I know, yeah. So the optic editor, Russell Kistler, is usually attributed to cooking up the letter. So th- th- Think about that, though, 150 years ago. Or less. Yeah. And think about if you tried to pull something like that today. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So, anyway, supposedly he may have cooked up that story, but uh, it was actually run by another editor at The Optic, a guy named Wilcox. The finger was supposedly sold to a guy named Albert Coons, who operated a drugstore in Las Vegas. Now, Kistler wrote of Coons' departure to Waterville, Kansas, and indeed, Another newspaper, the Waterville Telegraph, reported on September 16th that Mr. Albert Coons returned home last Monday from Las Vegas. He is looking hale and hearty and brought as a relic of barbarism a specimen of the physical existence of Billy the Kid. Oh, my gosh. Now, again, the newspaper, The Optic, kept up its coverage of Billy's traveling finger on its October 14th issue, in which it was reported that it was now on display in Indiana at several county fairs. Oh, my. This was the last item to be reported on the finger's whereabouts, and it is presumed to be lost thanks to the, quote, fatal finger story, Readership of the Optic newspaper soared, so other newspapers began following suit. In 1885, the Silver City Enterprise wrote a story on the kid's skull being in the possession of an Albuquerque man. This is, uh, it's really unbelievable. 
it, it is. Yeah. But so what really happened, and was that Billy the Kid's body, and was it? Yeah, we've only got a couple of minutes left here, actually a minute and a half. i got to ask you this question, and okay. you really have had a lot of success with this program. But really, when you look back, and it's not that in our far past. I mean, right. 100 years, 120 years, that's not that far back. Right. How do we verify some of these stories. I mean, how do you go about and verify stories about uh, maybe the Indian Wars or Billy the Kid or uh, Jesse James or any of them? How do we go about verifying this? And see, this is what I appreciate about John's book here is he's taken newspaper articles uh, that were written at the time and and. Can you believe the things that were written in the newspaper by some of these editors that were just trying to promote their newspaper That's true. and get more more readers? So, you know, if you have a big headline, Billy the Kid's Finger, you know, people are going to buy the newspaper, right? So I guess. Or Billy's skull is here. Or But I'm going to put you back on the spot again in 30 seconds. You honestly, I could tell by the look on your face, do not believe that he was shot and killed by Pat Garrett. You know, Zeb, I keep going back and forth on that. I, what can I say? I'm gonna I'm gonna go through more of John's books, uh, these two books about Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, and because it's all hearsay. It is, and again, folks, this movie. Uh, old, old Henry. Old 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 Henry. Old Henry. Go watch the movie, and it'll it'll go inside with what you're saying, Zeb. Yeah, you've got me really interested now. Okay. Dr. History, you always do a great job every week, and what are we going to talk about more of this next week? You know, there's another, this goes on to talk about the many grave markers for Billy the Kid. That I've heard of. Okay. Yeah. So I might continue on with uh, some more of this about Billy the Kid. Okay. But whatever happened, real quick, fast, because I'm out of time, to other members of the gang that didn't die uh, prior to Billy... Uh, you know, I'd have to go back and read some of the stories. I'd like to I've find done. out more about them. Yeah. 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 Okay. Hey, thank you. You bet. Good job. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.